You know, making the decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ is a wonderful decision to make. And there are so many excellent reasons to do that. But if your decision to follow Jesus is in hopes that it's going to make your life here on earth easier, that's just not the case. There's a lot of good reasons to do it, but that is not one. As we go throughout Scripture, we never see the promise that if we follow Christ, that our life here on earth will suddenly be rosy and easier than anyone else's. If anything, we see the exact opposite throughout Scripture. We see that you and I, we will face the exact same trials and problems that anyone else in this life would face. But then we also see that if we decide to take following Jesus seriously, that we will also experience a certain amount of persecution in this life. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 11, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's going to happen. Now, how and to what degree probably depends on each of us. But the expectation is, if you're to make the decision to follow Jesus Christ, and if you really want to live for Him, you are going to experience some pain and suffering in this life as a result of it. You will not be unique. You will not be the only one you will be like everyone else who has made that same decision before you. And facing that reality, facing the reality of the hardships of this life, man, it's really tough sometimes. It can be so challenging that at times we actually find ourselves tempted to walk away from the faith because life can be so hard. Hmm. For that reason, it's really important that we maintain a proper perspective as we go throughout life. A proper perspective when it comes to the hardships and the challenges of this life. Many, many years ago, the Harvard football team wasn't doing so great. I know Harvard has probably never been known as a football powerhouse, but but they had really been going through a, a rough time. They experienced a whole lot more losses than wins. And so the student section, they decided that they wanted to change their perspective because they understood that life was about a whole lot more than winning on the football field. And so they developed a cheer every time the opponent scored a touchdown against them. They would cheer, that's all right, that's okay. You're going to work for us one day. You see, it's all about having a different perspective in this life. And if you'll change your perspective on life, it makes things so much better. And as the Apostle Peter is writing this this letter, this beautiful letter, he begins it by trying to get those going through adversity to change their perspective on life. Knowing that they are going to face some very hard times. Knowing that they were currently being mistreated as they read the letter. Knowing that ultimately they were going to face some terrible persecution along the way. 
And so as he began this letter, he acknowledged that. He acknowledged the suffering that they were and would endure. He says, you've been grieved by various trials. Peter knew what it was like to be grieved by various trials. Peter knew how quickly the idea of one's personal suffering could cause one to turn away from Jesus. Remember we talked about that just last week. How the night of the arrest of Jesus, three opportunities Peter had to proclaim his, his allegiance, to proclaim his love for Christ. And three times he denied even knowing Jesus. So if anyone understood what it meant to be pulled between this world and the next, if anyone knew what it meant to, to be torn between a love for Christ and, and wanting to blend in with the world around him, it was certainly Peter. If anyone knew that, that the temptation, and I'm, and I'm sure that that had to like rank at the top of Peter's list of like most regrets in life, but, but it was that along with so many other misgivings and so many things where Peter misstepped along the way that, that make him more than qualified to write this beautiful letter that we call First Peter. Church, listen, please always remember this. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've gone through, that God can take even the worst things in this life that we experience and turn them into a greater good if we will allow Him to. Peter understood that, especially by this point in his life as he's writing First Peter. His perspective, you see, had changed greatly. Because Jesus had even told him the night of the Last Supper, as he was even telling Peter what Peter was going to do, and Peter was saying, I would never deny you. Jesus said to Peter that night, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. When your perspective changed, when you repent, when you decide to come back from this, this mistake that you're about to make, strengthen your brothers. Encourage everyone else. And that is absolutely what the Apostle Peter is doing as he writes First Peter. He, he was encouraging those misfits in that day in the same way that he's encouraging all of us misfits today who, who are facing our own type of, of attacks in our spiritual life. Alan, thank you for reading that for us. Uh, I appreciate Alan reading that scripture so much. His his voice always has just this way of of bringing life to the Word of God, and there's so much that we can unpack in First Peter three through twelve. But for our time together today, I really want us to spend our time looking at these two things: that perspective changing truths, two perspective changing truths that can really help us endure the hardships of this life if we will embrace them. If we will allow them to. The first is this. The trials of this life, they are only temporary. I know some seasons of this life that we go through, some seasons of suffering. I know sometimes when we're in the middle of those seasons, it is hard to imagine that that time of suffering will ever come to a close. It seems as though the suffering that we are enduring is just going to rock on forever and ever and sometimes very wise people will tell us in those moments, it's going to be okay. This too shall pass. There are better days yet to come. 
Amen. We hear those things in the midst of the suffering. We hear those things in the midst of the sorrow. And we go, how? How is that possible? How can you be so assured that this suffering that I'm currently going to go through, how can you be so sure that one day it's going to end? Well, for one thing, the Apostle Peter, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he assures us that it will. Going back to our text, he says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. I get it. You're going through hard times. I get it. You're going through heartache. But you can still rejoice. You can still have joy, even in the midst of the pain, even in the midst of the suffering. You can still have joy. Why? Because you know. You know and you understand as a child of God, as as an individual of faith, you know that this trial, it's not going to last forever. That there is going to be an end to it at some point. But even when we go through little amounts of suffering, right? Not even the big things, but even sometimes when we go through the the little moments of suffering, we have a hard time knowing. We have a hard time really believing that it's going to come to an end. That, That there will be a closure to it at some point. So how can we know that? Well, because salvation is coming, according to Peter. If you back up to verse 5, he says, "By who by God's power who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, in one sense, we are all enjoying so many blessings of our salvation, right? I mean, we we enjoy forgiveness and joy and peace, so many spiritual blessings, so many wonderful things which are above from above. So we enjoy so many aspects of our salvation, but so much more of our salvation is not going to be truly enjoyed or appreciated Until the Lord returns. Because you see, as long as we're here on this earth, we will continue to exist in the middle of a broken and fallen world. And as long as we are here on this earth, that means we will be surrounded by sorrow and pain and heartache. We will be continually surrounded by that which brings us sadness. So, as long as we are still here, basically there's there's one of two things that we can look forward to. We can either look forward to the day as we live from day to day that one of these days our time on this earth will be no more. Or one of these days the Lord Himself is going to return. But one way or the other, I'm living my time here on this earth knowing that I can be confident even in the midst of the sorrow, even in the, in the midst of the heartache, even in the midst of the trials, I can have confidence knowing that God is continuing to protect me. And He's continuing to protect the very things that He has promised me and you. There are so many wonderful promises of God. And one of the most magnificent promises that God has given to us is a promise that that we are going to be a part of a, a heavenly kingdom. Jesus spoke of this in John 14 there beginning in verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. When you obey the Gospel of Christ, 
When, when you made that most important and precious decision to, to put Jesus on in the watery grave of baptism, in that moment, God reserved a place for you. In that moment, God set aside a place, a room, just for you in His heavenly kingdom. Peter wrote about it. Alan read it so beautifully before us a few moments ago. This description of an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Kept, or other words, protected in heaven for you. So God has reserved a place, a special place just for you. A place that is imperishable, a place that is undefiled, a place that is unfading. In other words, you have a place that God has reserved, especially for you. It's not for anyone else. And in that time, in the right time, this the most amazing eternal inheritance, something that is beyond our, our human comprehension, this amazing eternal inheritance is going to be made yours You've got to continue to endure the trials of this life. God is protecting this special, most wonderful place just for you. But He's also protecting you. You see, so often when we go through the trials of this life, it is very easy to feel alone in those moments. It's easy to feel as though no one cares. But that is so far from the reality of what is actually happening God always cares. God is always near. God is always with us. God is always protecting us and keeping us as we go through the storms of this life. By God's power, we are being guarded through faith. Going back to verse 5 there. One of the reasons that we face so many trials in this life is because of Satan. Satan is actively working in the world around us. But Satan does not have unreigned ability to work in our lives. Satan will work in our lives, first of all, as much as we allow him to. When we open up ourselves to Satan and all his temptations and trials, you better believe he's going to attack us. When we set aside that armor of God that the Lord is told to use to protect ourselves on a daily basis from all the fiery darts of Satan, when we have set that aside, you better believe He's going to be hitting us with everything He's got and He's going to win. But if we'll stay with God, then God will continue to protect us even through those moments. Those moments of trial, those moments of suffering. Job was a Good example of this. Job was a good man. Job had health. He had wealth. He had family. He had friends. Man, he had it all. And he loved God. And Satan knew it. And Satan hated how much Job loved God. And so Satan went to God and he said, Listen, the only reason that this man Job loves you, is faithful to you, is because of the blessings he has. You let me take them away. You let me take them away and you will see that Job does not really love you. That Job is not really faithful to you. So God agreed. But God put parameters up to continue to protect Job even as Satan took things away from him. The Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Okay, Satan, 
You want to touch Job? You want to touch all that he has? You go ahead. You touch what he has, but you can't touch him. And so what did Satan do? Satan took away his children. Satan took away his livestock. Satan took away his livelihood. Satan took away all that which is so near and dear to so many of us. But Job didn't crack. God had faith that Job would continue to be faithful. And he was. So Satan came back to God a second time. And he said, all right, fine. You let me touch him again. But this time, let me touch him. And you let me touch him, he'll turn on you. You'll see. But still, God had great confidence in Job. He he truly believed that Job would remain faithful But he still set up parameters. As we're about to see, he said, okay, you can touch Job, but you can't take his life. So he was still protecting the life of Job, even when he allowed Satan to make Job so sick. The Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand. Only spare his life. You can touch his body, but you can't kill him. God was continuing to protect Job in this moment. Continuing to protect his very life. Because he had confidence. He had confidence that Job, in the face of all that he was facing, in the face of the trials and the adversity and the sorrow and the heartache, in the face of losing everything seemingly, including his own physical health, God believed that Job would remain faithful. You know, um, my papa, my papa was a man of uh, of very few words. Uh, I, I probably should have done a better job of learning that from him. <laughs> uh, but but he was just one of these men that he listened a lot more than he spoke. And, and whenever I was growing up, if I were going through hard times, his advice to me was always the same, basically. Right, and, and again, it didn't really seem to matter what stage of life I was in. Like it, it could have been on a day when, as a kid playing baseball, I struck out every time I got up to bat. I struck out, and that happened on more than one occasion. My papa had consoling words for me. It, it could have been uh, on you know many occasions. Growing up as a child of divorce, my mom and dad were constantly at odds with each other, and I tried to carry a lot of the burden of their issues. And so that led me to having a lot of heartbreaking conversations with my papa. And, and again, it was the, the same advice. Or even the time, the time that I, I wrecked a car that had belonged to one of my papa's closest brothers that we had inherited. And then I had to go tell him that I had like totaled it. And his advice was still the same. It's okay, son. It could be worse. Has anybody ever told you that? Listen, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> like, like whenever he would say that to me, it could be worse. I would think, how? <laughs> like, like how on the round world <laughs> does it get worse than where I am right now? <laughs> but you know what? He was right. As I've continued to grow up, I've experienced a whole lot worse than any of those three things I just described to you. <laughs> he was right. It can get a whole lot worse. And those words, those are not insensitive words. Those are words of wisdom. Those are words of someone who was trying to help me put a different perspective on my life in the moment. 
Because sometimes, man, we get so wrapped up in ourselves, and, and we get so wrapped up in the moment and we just begin to think, oh no, surely it couldn't get any worse than this. Yeah, actually, it could. It could get much worse than any of us oftentimes could possibly begin to imagine. It just can. Can you imagine what your life would be like right now if Satan had free reign to touch your life as much as he wanted? Our human imagination cannot begin to imagine how horrible that would be. But you see, God is continuing to protect us. He's continuing to to keep us as we face the, the trials and the conflicts and the sorrows of this life. Because like my papa said, it could get worse. It could get much worse. If you don't believe me, just live a little, a little longer. And then you'll know. It always can get much worse. Trials. Trials have a purpose. That's the second truth I want us to see this morning. I know no one of us enjoys pain. We don't enjoy going through pain. But sometimes there's a purpose to that pain. And when we have enough wisdom to be able to look down the road and see that the pain we're going through, that there is an end goal. There is a reason we're going through the pain. There is a purpose to the pain. It will help us endure the moment just a little bit better. I don't like shots. Okay? I am such a big baby whenever it comes to that little needle. It is not something that I'm just like, ooh, I can't wait to get a shot today. If anything, when those awesome medical care type folks walk in a room with me and I see a needle, whether I know I'm having blood drawn or getting medicine administered, I'm like, (laughs) I don't want to. And there's still like an eight-year-old in me that at times just like wants to go, no. (laughs) But I don't. You know why? Because I've grown to understand there's a purpose even to that pain. I've even reached a point in my life where there's been a time or two when I've been sick with the crud and I've gone to the doctor and said, can you give me a shot? Because I understand it's going to help me get better a little bit quicker. That is so against my nature. But I get it now. I get that pain, even if it's just for a moment, if I understand the purpose of it, it helps me endure it a little bit more. Well, the trials of this life, oh man, there is a great purpose to the trials that we go through in this life. Listen to how Peter described this in verses 6 and 7. He says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith All right, so we're talking about you're being tested so that your faith can be tested, right? You're going through trials so that you can tell if your faith is real. More precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In the same way that fire will draw out and eliminate the impurities in gold. The fires of this life and the fires of this life will oftentimes draw out the 
the sin issues in our own personal life. Things that we're struggling with. Things that we're dealing with. Things that we need to get a hold of. Things that we need to repent of. Things that we need to confess. Things that we need to hand over to God if we're going to be who He's called us to be. Trials will give us the opportunity to find out if our display, or excuse me, our faith is real. You know, it's easy to be a person who says, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I have faith in God when life is good. That's easy. You show me a person going through a trial of life. I'm talking they are going through some, some serious low point in their life. And they are hanging on to Jesus. They are clinging to His Word with every fiber of their being as they go through that low moment in their life. That's faith. When you go through the lower moments of life and your faith doesn't go south, you can know that your faith is real. But when you're going through a trial to some degree and all of a sudden your faith is nowhere to be seen, you have to ask yourself if your faith was genuine to start with. If it was even real faith. Even though Job suffered so much, the Bible says that in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. And everything that Job went through He didn't sin, nor did he blame God. He didn't say, God, I can't believe you've taken my kids. God, I can't believe you've taken my animals. You've taken my finances. God, you have wiped me out. Job didn't do that. He didn't blame God. Now, if you remember the story of Job, had I been Job, I'd have probably said, God, you took everybody else. Why is this woman still here? Right? Because his wife was like the, the big thorn in his flesh as he was going through those moments. But he didn't even do that. He didn't blame God. He didn't sin. His faith was real. You think about that, church. Here is a man who lost, by our estimation, what we would say, everything. He lost everything but his faith. He held on to his faith. You think you've gone through a trial? You think you've lost something? Job could probably say better than anyone among us. Oh, it could get worse. It could get so much worse. As we go through the trials of life, it tests our faith. That's why it becomes so important that we make sure that we're we're hanging on to our faith. That our perspective is as it should be. Knowing that as, as these misfits that we are here on earth, we're in exile, we're in a foreign land. We understand... We understand that these trials, as as painful as they can be, as real as they are, as as deep as they hurt, as sometimes they break our heart and they cause tears to shed down our face, we understand all that. We go through all that. It's real. But our faith, our faith reminds us, number one, that it will pass. This too will pass. And our faith, our faith reminds us that if we'll just give it to God, He can transform us into someone so much better than we were before we ever endured the trial. 
But it's all about perspective. It's all about how we see the trials of this life. We can go through those trials constantly in a state of panic, always wondering how much worse could it get, waiting for the next shoe to drop. Or we can face trials in faith. Still knowing that those trials hurt, man. They hurt deep. But we know that God is in control. And our faith in Him, our faith in Him remains. Even through the trials. We're about to sing a song, a song of encouragement for all of us, that should also be a perspective-changing song in life. Now, maybe you've never really thought of it this way, but the song we're about to sing puts a completely different perspective on this world. And we've sang it hundreds, maybe thousands of times in our life. This world is not my home. You talk about something that should be perspective-altering. But when we sing those words, do we really mean it? Do we really believe it? Do we really live like this world? This world isn't all there is. And I so get that. That there is something eternal that is waiting. And and if I really want to be able to live for that eternal, and if I really want to look forward to the glory of heaven... then by the grace of God, I need to be living like it here on earth. And if we can help you in any way today, won't you come as we stand and sing?